0: Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC.
1: Lily from the Argentinian Association had been uh, really enthused about this idea and came up with the theme. What she wanted us to do as as an international community was to look forward 10 years to 2030 and think about where compliance is going to need to be, what the challenges might be, how the profession and how the role and how organisations are going to have to evolve. Welcome
0: to the Jersey Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slesher, I'm the editor of the Jersey Professional Magazine. And today, once again, we have our Managing Director, Naomi Burley. Hi, Naomi. How are you?
1: Hi. I hope everyone's not getting sick of me, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting close to Christmas. We're desperate for podcast speakers.
0: (laughs) Well, um, as a gift to everyone for Christmas, we are going to be talking a little bit about the IFCA conference, which was last week. Um, was it last week, yes, or week it after was. I'm no, losing it was sense week. of time, wow. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, just after our GRC conference. Um, and that's important because I think there was some synthesis and um, topics and talking points and discussion elements and even similar speakers in some cases. Yes. Um, so I guess talk a little bit about how this IFCA conference came into fruition. and Then we'll talk a bit about our own involvement in the conference.
1: All right, will do. So for those of you who have been not heard me natter on about it before, it's the International Federation of Compliance Associations. So there's 12 of us now. We've grown from when we set it up with Ireland and South Africa all those years ago. Um, so there's 12 different associations all around the globe um, who meet regularly and we're trying to come to some uh, alliance and consistent message for uh, all organizations around the world around the value of the compliance professional what it means to be a compliance professional the kind of skill set you're looking at so so we all have very similar aims and um interestingly enough when we do come together even associations that have been off noodling in their own little space for a little while when they join ifca their thoughts are, are very much aligned with ours it's all very consistent internationally so what our um current chairperson Sylvia from the Spanish association wanted to do was to establish a real compliance week to really make a statement for compliance professionals out there as well as providing um, access to international speakers for our members for all the association members and she wanted to do it as a whole compliance week and make a real statement about it so the combined forces of the 12 associations you know, got together with all our speaker contacts and and put together a, a five day program. It was probably it was, on average, four hours of live streaming per day plus recorded sessions. So the other stuff was repeated um, throughout that. So you know, over the five days, you could get twenty units of CPD if you'd attended all the live sessions um, for those. And Lily from the Argentinian Association had been uh, really enthused about this idea and came up with the theme. What she wanted us to do as an international community was to look forward 10 years to 2030 and think about where compliance is going to need to be, what the challenges might be, how the profession and how the role and how, organisations are going to have to evolve to include um, those conversations much more proactively and strategically. Um, And then um, uh, the association's could pick um, which day they might be a day champion for, and uh, in reality, the the more mature organisations picked a day that they looked after um, and championed. And we went with day four around that business sustainability and the long view and the contribution of compliance to business sustainability. Um, one, because I'm slightly cheating that that. That theme was very consistent with uh, what we had observed during COVID and what emerged as our own conference theme two two weeks prior, so we didn't want to double up on the work. Um, But I also saw an opportunity to really tease out some of the learnings that Australian compliance professionals in particular, because we've been doing this for so long, um, had been the maturity they'd been able to inject into their organisations and help other countries really um, get some glean some gold from that from our experience and our learnings, so they could fast track because that's essentially what they need to and want to do is to get up to speed with with um, the countries that are leading in these compliance conversations. Um, so, you know, that, that was our approach to topic. It was all around, um, you know, using compliance strategically, the, the strategic role of compliance. Um, I also wanted to, so we got we got to play around with the four topics that, that um, we had to live stream. So the first one was the obvious, um, you know, how compliance strategically contributes and, um and when it came down to each individual panel, so when your day champion had decided all of the, all of the uh, four different topics, then all the other countries might volunteer speakers that they thought would be really excellent at that topic, and then we would all vet them and, and, and work with each other for that. So that first one was around the, that strategic contribution of compliance um, in terms of the framework itself. And then the second one I wanted to um, see whether it was also an international trend because there's always this push-pull even in the ISO committee as well as um, in the compliance committee between ethics and compliance. And my view is that 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 needs to be all rolled in. It's not a separate endeavour that you undertake. There isn't an ethics framework. There's an ethical element to every business decision you make whether it's an obligation-based decision or, or anything else, you know, whether you're going to launch a particular product, what kind of business you're going to go into. So I was concentrating and I wanted to raise the topic of conduct risk because it's a big conversation in Australia, it's a big conversation in the UK, and it doesn't seem to be as overt in um, other jurisdictions, uh, which I found interesting. Um and then again, I wanted to to hone back in on some real life experiences of compliance being uh, strategic. So we had a speaker from Russia, and we had Annette Doncella speaking on behalf of GRCI, with her experience, especially in the Asian region. And then and then we rounded out the day with bringing governance back into the conversation, um, because more and more, even though we're a compliance association my observation of what's going wrong a lot of the times in organisation isn't about the, the compliance function is, is trying its absolute best. There's definitely a compliance framework there. There's a whole lot of stuff being reported up to the board. We've talked about how the board sometimes doesn't understand what they're being presented with and you know, and how do we fix that. But I think that, that the definition of governance needs to include and understand. There needs to be some oversight about that material, that everyone is actually getting um, information up and that's not necessarily the role of the directors. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a perception sometimes in organisations that directors think they're the ones who do governance and then there's no one else shepherding that stuff up. Um, you know, the response that I got, get when I sort of throw that idea out is that somebody will say, oh, well, the company secretary is meant to do that, but what if your organisation doesn't have a company secretary? or someone who's not active, or they're doubling up in roles, or it's not really included as part of their scope. They just make sure the meeting happens. They're not, they're not governing and making sure the material gets up, that the directors have had the training to understand the material or doing any of that stuff. It's left the compliance and risk function to do that if they have access. So we talked about that kind of disconnect, and that's how I perceive the disconnect. I don't think that organisations aren't doing what they think is a good job of governance. And they aren't looking at compliance reports, where I think the disconnect happens is that it's not um, it's not included into an overarching framework that yeah. all the information flows come up. Um, so I guess you know we were re- reiterating a lot of themes, but the the opportunity for uh, the participants and and for me I found was that we took those topics um, in other directions because we were mindful that in the audience we were going to have people who were not in senior roles. So our conference is designed for people in senior compliance roles. So we we leap off from a, from a completely different point of view, um, whereas the International Compliance Congress couldn't do that because we had a lot of... Um, Compliance officers, quite junior compliance people participating and trying to learn and get professional development from it. So that's another reason why we were revisiting some ideas and re examining it with a different lens. Um, But where it went was that that I actually got some really good clarity around the conversations around conduct risk by taking on board the perspectives of um, the other panelists um, in there and where their countries are at with that conversation. And a bit of clarity to have the ethical conversation with people as well. Um, And so I think for our members, I think that um, I have a number of outputs. I think I'd like us to visit to to get some clarity and to revisit Annette's um, presentation at our conference, get some real role clarity and identify where the black holes are in organisations because I think that might be our fundamental problem. There are some black holes around accountability for some of the nuances, people who should be taking on different tasks aren't taking them on because they haven't been assigned. They don't understand what it is. Um, and I think there's a whole piece of work we could go to from there. Um, and, and for me, that that's what the, the Congress offered, this crystallisation of those two ideas and maybe an identification of what's missing, why it's not hitting the mark with directors, why they can't make decisions that they need to make when they're really smart people, they understand the industry they're working in, um, they just don't understand the decisions that are required of them potentially. Um, so yes, yeah. interesting discussions out of that.
0: And for anyone listening to this podcast, um, I know she said black holes. This is not a physics podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess on a another level, I mean, if there was a word cloud for this podcast, so far two things you've mentioned quite frequently are governance and rule clarity. And just before we started recording, um, you know, I was just commenting on the fact that there's a lot of similarities between what we heard for the AML Congress that we had earlier this year with Samantha Carroll from Ash Street Legal, who spoke about that disconnect um, between um, governance and compliance. Not always on the fault of governance making bad decisions, but sometimes the way the data, the information is brought up to them, sometimes it's not clear, you know, what the critical issues are. and how do you make how do
1: you make AML compliance? you know user friendly to a director who's never had to look at a financial crime issue before in their whole entire life and probably find some of the scenarios you're working with completely unbelievable um so yeah yeah samantha had a great session there sorry sorry i interrupted you <laughs> no, no
0: no 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 that's right and and then of course obviously we spoke about Annette Dantillo from child life, and she obviously was a presenter at the grc conference as well and of course her topic at jersey conference was rule clarity um, so again, how important that is for building a sound and strong compliance program. Um, yep. and I noticed that she did not say, um, lines of responsibility at the <laughs> conference, like she did at the GRC conference. Um, I don't know if that was a political decision, but no, I guess it was interesting to get a sense of, you really need that rule clarity and it, i guess it all falls back into the governance question and also maybe from an australian perspective falls back into the bear question as well mm-hmm. where at least that legislation forces a kind of rule clarity map from a certain perspective
1: it does and i think you know that's the value a lot of compliance people got out of there who've participated in it and hopefully will also get out of far is having those conversations with people who previously kind of knew they were meant to do some stuff or that it probably did rest with them, but what that looks like, what they have to do operationally for that, um, and having it out in black and white, uh, what information they should be getting, you know, really focus the mind. Um, and I think someone had quoted something that Carolyn said in her session, you know, nothing focuses the mind like a fine. Um I think that that's, uh, I think that that's what's missing, and I know that that's what, that's where APRA wanted people to start thinking about what the implications were. You know, so that analogy that we spoke about—the thing where everybody thinks somebody's going to do it, and it ends up that nobody's doing it—I think that that may well be what's happening with the governance of compliance and risk when it goes yeah. up, um, and. It can be inherent in the structure because you report up to XYZ who then has to make the report palatable, um, readable, whatever. So it, gets, it might get reinterpreted. You might not have a direct line. Um, or when it gets there, there's no clarity around what even directors can do about things. So, yeah, definitely um, accountability is one step mm. but some clarity around some of the nuances around that. So, Because the accountability regime, unfortunately, only addressed APRA requirements yeah. um, and some related stuff. So, you know, it had financial crime and there, had a few other bits and pieces, but it's the first step and, you know, there's going to need to be a maturity around that. But role clarity is definitely, I think, an emerging issue um, to really examine why there are failures and it may well be because nobody's doing that part of the job.
0: Um, well, what I've learned from that is that we need to turn everything into limericks because then um, everybody will pay attention to that um, little rhyming. They will! Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, you, you addressed the, the issues that we we sort of took on, the, on that day, um, that sustainability long-term business view. Um, were there any topics um, that we weren't able to explore properly at the conference because of, you know, shorter time frame? that we were able to look at, look at a little bit more clearly during the IFCA conference, especially in RD?
1: I think so, especially in that, in that governance piece. Um, so it felt to me like with both the conduct risk piece and the governance piece that we got to take Annette's presentation on day two as well as the Deloitte research just that step further and talk it through. Um, because as Carolyn Hanson was our speaker on the um, disconnect between governance and compliance and you know when she and I were doing our preparatory work she sort of laid out you know what the definition of governance is did all that sort of preparatory stuff and then came back to me and she said well you know you look at it on paper there is no disconnect there's no reason why there should be a disconnect but in practice you know that's when I turned around and said well what about um, what about all the cases that are in the in the papers and all the directors and the CEOs who have lost their job I think they might think there's a disconnect um, and that's where we went, yeah, well, something's happening. So on paper, there shouldn't be anything. It all flows beautifully.
0: This podcast was a production of the Governance, Risk and Compliance Institute. And the music was produced by Rob Neary.